Well, you got to move self out of the way. You you got. I mean, you got to yeah. realize it's in us, but also in our leaders and other people. If we if our self is in the way, you're going to trip and stumble in everything. You may be good at the show, you may be good at the word, you may be good at the look, you may mm. be good at the dance, yeah. but self is in the way. Wow. You know, and that's going to affect. And people will read right through that. And uh, there's a reason why they call them selfies. Mm. You're listening to the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast with Pastors Eric Powers, Joel Scoggins, and Justin Mucka. Joined by Sam Connor as they talk through Lead by Paul David Tripp. Today, Pastor Rusty joins the guys to talk about character. The gospel principle is a spiritually healthy leadership community acknowledges that character is more important than structure and strategies. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast, Episode 5. Guys, Episode 5. We're going to talk about character today. Episode 5, Chapter 5. I'm Eric Powers. I'm joined by Joel Scoggins, Justin Mucka, and Sam Connor. We got the guys all together in the room again. Woohoo! Everybody here? Woo-hoo. Sir. Yeah. All right, great. Uh, We have a great episode this week. Before we dive in, we want to, again, encourage you guys to join the conversation. You don't have to have the book. You don't have to own the book. You don't have to be reading it with us, but we would love for you to. If you would like to read the book, uh, you can order it on Amazon or any, any, honestly, any place you get books. Uh, It's it's Lead by Paul David Tripp. That's the book that we are reading through and discussing together. Uh, But you can join the conversation. You can ask questions. You can give us your feedback. Uh, by emailing us at podcast at gracepoint.church. And we would love to hear your feedback. We would love to answer your questions. We might even mention some of them on on the show. Uh, but get that thing, get it going, guys. Who's going to be the first? Who's going to be the first person to give us some feedback, to ask us a question? Who's going to be the first one? You be the first one, all right? <laughs> uh, but we would love to hear from you guys. Uh, also, subscribe and share this podcast to people in your life that you believe could benefit from a podcast like this. Spread the word. It's a new thing. It's a new podcast. Podcast, so spread the word uh, and uh, and share this with people that you, you think it, they may benefit from it. Who knows? Today we have a, a guest joining us. We're excited to have a guest back with us. Pastor Rusty Asbel is with us. Rusty, uh, are you happy to be here? I'm glad to be here. Brother. Oh, great. I'm glad. Uh, give us a quick version, if you can, a quick version of your testimony. Uh, things like, when did you get saved? When did you feel the call to ministry? How long have you been in ministry? How has ministry shaped you? Uh, that kind of stuff. If you can give us a short version. That's a lot of questions right there at the beginning, brother. <laughs> so, a lot. Well, it was April 21st, 1982 is the day that I uh, had the chance to uh, go to church. And my family didn't go to church. My mom was a nurse and she came home from working her 12-hour shift. Uh, I had come home from spring football practice and... Uh, uh, was on the couch, already got in the shower, just kind of on the couch resting. Mom came in, she was fixing dinner. She looked around the corner and said, hey, go ahead and get dressed. We're going to go someplace tonight. And our, my family didn't go places. It was either school, work, home type thing. And so uh, I saw, I, as any you know, young teenager, I said, where are we going? She said, to church. And she turned and looked at me around the corner and I was like, Church, we don't go to church. And she said, we are tonight. And so uh, it was a little revival that a church nearby was doing. And uh, that night, uh, being an outdoors kid, that night they had a uh, uh, speaker that was a chalk artist evangelist. And drew uh, a lot of pictures related to scripture, and I wasn't really thrilled with it as a young teen until he, at the very end, drew an outdoor picture of the mountains, the river, the stream, the fields, and talking about in the beginning how God created the heavens and the earth. And he talked about that, and it really touched my heart. 
related to uh, what God created for good, but yet Satan in this world tried to destroy. And in that moment of him drawing and still speaking, sharing scripture, me watching intently, uh, he turned down the house lights and a, a black light came up and that's where he brought sin in and that picture changed. Um, from what was beautiful to what sin is. And that's the first night that I realized what sin was, and I realized it was in me, and that I knew that I needed to ask Jesus my heart and life. So it was April 21st, 1982, and the next day I went back to school, and I had a friend in in uh, junior high, middle school, that was named George D'Amico. And George was the pest of pests related to asking me to come to his church. And I mean, it might've been a hundred times before that moment. And I walked, was walking down the hall. I saw George at the end. He saw me, looked at me, ran to me and he said, something's different, what happened? And I said, George, I asked Jesus Christ in my heart and life last night. He goes, will you come to church with me? And I said, I said yes. So that next Sunday, uh, began to walk the church is a mile and a half from the house. And um, uh, it was an incredible experience related to just being there. And as I got to the sidewalk to the church, looking at the church, I stopped, I hesitated. I was about ready to turn around and walk home because I was fearful of what was going to be there. And just then a little tiny hand reached under my arm and I looked down and it was one of my neighbors from down the road. Her name was Gladness Cotterell. And she said, it looks pretty scary, doesn't it? And I said, yes, it does. And she goes, well, let me walk in with you to introduce you some, to some incredible people. And God's got something special for you here. And that's how I walked into First Baptist, Newport Ritchie, Florida. And um, it was an incredible experience. And July 4th, 1982, not soon after, I was baptized uh, on there. And so, so as a believer, uh, that's where I grew up in student ministry. Um, learned a lot from student pastors, from pastors that were there, just kind of intrigued, worked, athlete, just kind of did a lot of different things. Uh, but the summer of my senior year, my student pastor um, resigned and went to another church, and I was bound and determined that I wasn't going to let things stop. And so with the help of three office secretaries, administrative assistants, they took me under their wing and taught me how to do things correctly. It was pretty important that that time frame, and and we got to do some great events that summer, and uh, went off to Palm Beach Atlantic University uh, that following fall, and studying to be a wildlife officer. That's what I wanted to be, and uh, through that first semester, and I knew God was working in my heart and life, and uh, came back home, and uh, like any one after a first semester break coming home for Christmas and I was exhausted. I was wiped out. I was not a great student, but I was on academic probation, but uh, I had worked hard to get out of it. And uh, about eight o'clock that night uh, after I got home, I told mom I was going to bed after dinner and I was in bed from eight till about one in the morning and uh, in and out of sleep. About 1 a.m., the Lord woke me up and said, uh, get your running shoes on. So I got up, got my running shoes on. Above the house where I grew up in my neighborhood was uh, the Newport Ritchie Recreation Center. And so I, I kind of made my way up there, and they had one light in the middle of that huge parking lot. And so I started running sidelined to parking line, sidelined to parking line, just doing back and forth what we would call suicides at that mm -hmm. point. And um, but that one light, I would run into that light and out of that light and come back in and back out. And every time I touched the light, the Lord said, are you listening? And I've run back through, are you listening? And so after doing the whole parking lot, I walked back through, I went to the center of that light, sat under that light pole, and the Lord said again, are you listening? And I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm listening. He goes, I want you to change your major. I want you to follow me. I've got something special in store for you. And that was the impression the Lord put on my life. Went back home, 
fell into bed, fell asleep, woke up the next morning, said, Mom, I think the Lord, I know the Lord has called me into the ministry. And so that was that first element of, like, I might have been at that point 18, about very turned 19 years old, and went back to Palm Beach Atlantic, changed my major <laughs> completely, <laughs> and uh, started strong, and it was a new purpose, new zeal, and it was an unbelievable experience to see at that point what God had in store for me there. That's amazing. And you've been in ministry for, for quite it's a while. It's been 33 years. Yeah. So I've been excited to, from there, I met my wife, Stacy at Palm Beach Atlantic University. Uh, she's a school teacher. After about a couple years of teaching, we went out to Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, a great finding place out there in ministry and uh, an opportunity from there to High Point, North Carolina, Green Street Baptist, to then to Decatur, Alabama, First Baptist Decatur. Uh, then to uh, Central Baptist Church in Sanford, Florida, and then for the last 17 years up here in Cleveland, Tennessee. Man, been all over the place. It's been exciting. It's been a mission field. Oh, yeah, for sure. How do you feel like uh, this experience in ministry, this many, many years, uh, how, how do you feel like it has shaped you? You know, we're all shaped in ministry in different situations. For me, um, I prayed a long time ago, Lord, if you can allow it to happen to me and not let it happen to somebody else, talking about the bad stuff, uh, I'm willing to be that person. And so for the goodness and the tough things, I, I wanted to be the person. I'd rather somebody else miss something so it didn't hurt them and let it me let it on me because I knew I could handle that. I was a tough kid. I kind of grew up on the uh, in my neighborhoods, you know, with single mom for many years. And so for me, that all all those things shaped me uh, to, to this. You know, from you look at the shape, spiritual gift, your heart, your abilities, personality, experiences, all that stuff shaped me. Everything that I look back now, <laughs> I I'm like, Lord, you had a, a specific and designed purpose for that incident. And so for that, my past has been, I would not change anything. Though some things were not great, I would not change anything. If it be with my family, if it be working in churches, if it be working with pastors, um, some that were great and some that were uh, didn't need to be in the pastorate. You know, and so, but it all shaped me to the person I am today. And I, I can't complain about that. Yeah, that's an incredibly bold and uh, honestly a dangerous prayer to pray like, God lets this happen to me, so it doesn't have to have to happen. That's incredible. Um, that's amazing. I, I'm sure that being in ministry as long as you have, uh, with your experience, you have met many different characters. Uh, <laughs> that's a fun way to put that. You've probably witnessed all kinds of character. Uh, I'm sure also that throughout that experience, your own character has been shaped, has been matured, has been molded, and uh, and maybe even challenged at times. I know in a short amount of time in ministry that I've been in, uh, that I've experienced, uh, that my my character has been you know, question and challenge at times. And it's just, I think it's something we go through. It's also been matured and molded and shaped and stuff. And so uh, I can only imagine uh, being in ministry as long as you have how much more, even more experience as you have with that. Uh, we all go through that in life, uh, in a life of ministry. We all go through uh, the shaping of our character and the growing and maturing of our character. Uh, and honestly, it's it's in life period that we, we face that. And, and it, shouldn't, it shouldn't surprise us, especially as believers, that we go through things, go through things that shape our character, that make us who we are, that mold us. That's not like a surprise or anything that we're going to go through that. We're told that we're going to go through things, right? Uh, but if you're choosing to live a life for Christ, your character is going to be put to the test uh, to see if you mean it, I, th I think. Uh, I think it's going to be, I mean, we're, we're told that, we're promised that, right? We're, we're, 
we've given, we're given a warning in Scripture that, hey, it's going to be put to the test. You, you've chosen this life. You've chosen to put your faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're going to see if you mean it kind of thing. Um, and, and so uh, the enemy uh, the enemy goes after his heart for sure. Uh, the enemy comes after his heart. He needs to find a weak spot. And today we get to see some of the weight of character. Um, and, and what we mean by that is like uh, this moral compass, who you are, who you really are, not just who you say you are, but how your actions show who you are. Uh, that's the character we're talking about. We're, we're going to see the weight of that in our lives and how important it is for us to to take this character thing seriously. Like, let's take it serious. Uh, um, I'm not just going to say that I, I love Jesus. I'm going to show you that I love Jesus. I'm not just going to say that I love people. I'm going to show you that I love people, that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's what chapter five is all about. It's about character. Uh, and the, the gospel principle, again, in this book that we've been reading, it's lead by Paul David Tripp. In this book that we've been reading, uh, each chapter comes with one word that it focuses on, and it also comes with a gospel principle, a statement uh, that challenges leaders, that challenges leaders of leaders, and it challenges leaderships as a whole. Uh, and so this one says, a spiritually healthy leadership community acknowledges that character is more important than structure. Again, it says a spiritually healthy leadership community acknowledges that character is more important than structure. So he tells us pretty early on inside of this chapter, he tells us pretty early uh, that this is an extension and specific application of the previous chapter. So last week we talked about balance uh, in the last chapter. Balance meaning everything in its right place, doing uh, what it's supposed to be doing, what it's meant to do. Uh, and we, we came to this understanding that our world is out of balance. We, we know that we live in a world that is broken, that has fallen, uh, that is out of balance. And because of that, it takes work for us to balance things in our life. All right, mm. God made a perfect world, a balanced world. Sin entered the world, and, and it's it's a fallen world. It's a broken world now. And because of that, it's it's it takes work. It, it's exhausting at times for us to balance things inside of our life, to balance our time, our responsibilities, our lives, our callings, our hearts. And Paul David Tripp showed us two things last week uh, inside of this book. He, he showed us two things. He he told us what a heart and balance looks like. Uh, and leaders, and he also told us that sign, uh, he showed us some signs of a heart that is out of balance, and we discussed that stuff last week. So if you if you didn't listen to last week's episode, we would uh, or a couple weeks ago, the last episode, chapter four, we would encourage you to do that. Uh, but the work of balancing our hearts it takes character. All right? it puts our character to the test. All right, and now you've you you know what you're supposed to balance. You know the things that you're balancing. Uh, now it takes character to hold those things in balance. It takes character to balance what is important and what is not important. It takes balance to, to uh, it takes character uh, to, to balance, like I said, what is important and what is not important. And so it puts our character to test. It makes us ask questions like, what is most important to us? Uh, we, we ask those questions all the time, I'm sure. Look, uh, we, we ask, what is most important to us? And when we answer that question, our words don't always match up to our actions. And that is kind of what Paul David Tripp in, in chapter five is 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 talking about. He's like, hey, we need to ask ourselves these questions. This is a very reflective chapter. It's, it really makes you look at yourself and it's like, hey, you know, uh, you're going to ask yourself these questions like, what is most important to us? And, and when we answer this question, we need to make sure that our lives actually match what we are, our, our answers to it. And mm. so we, we think uh, that is our character. That's who we truly are. So pa- Paul David Tripp, again, he challenges leaders. He challenges leaderships to really look at this and ask ourselves, does what we say is important to us actually match what 
looks like is important to us uh, through right. our, our events, through the way that we plan, through the way we treat people, through the way that we act with people, through the way that we minister to people, the way we love people, the way we, the way we preach, the way we teach. Does, it, uh, does what is important to us, what we say is important to us, actually match the actions that we are living out? Uh, so uh, if we say people are important to us, does it look like people are important to us through the way that we live? If we say that relationships are important to us, unity is important to us, glorifying and honoring God is important to us, God, uh, kingdom work is important to us. Well, does the actions of our church, does the actions of our leadership, the way that we lead people, uh, does the actions um, in how we are leading our leaders and how we are influencing our leaders and impacting our leaders, does all that match what we say is truly important to us. And that's kind of what this chapter uh, is leading to. That was a great summary. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> no, it, it is, it's powerful because you've got to think in, in the character of your leader, you look at it in scripture, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And so as a leader, you've got to think, what's my responsibility in that? And uh, do I have the ability to be uh, uh, of high integrity, of encouraging, of supporting, of coaching through, of guiding, of leading, of picking up uh, pieces and helping them put things together, not just professionally, but personally? Uh, you look at those, if there's a death in the family, you look at uh, if there's a, an issue with the, a marriage, you, you're, you're that person or you're the opposite are you being critical, toxic? Mm. Are you uh, being hurtful? Are, are you? Uh, do you have an agenda? You know, are are you, you? So there's there's multiple different things there. So as as in this character, we have a high calling of being at our best. Many times when we are struggling being at our best. Yeah, I think that uh, kind of along the lines of what you're saying is that uh, character again points us to our motives. And we, we say this every single week. It, it really dives into uh, the reason why you're doing things. Uh, it, it really puts that to the test of like, hey, your character says um, you love Jesus, uh, but your true character says that you're doing this for self and for your own kingdom. Does that make sense? Uh, so so your, your words, you're saying that you're doing this because you love God, but your actions show that you are actually prideful and you're building your own kingdom. And so motives, again, are put out in the open. And in this chapter, again, it's like we need to check our motives, check our hearts, because our character, uh, our character, what we say our character is and what our character looks like in the lives that we're living, it's, it might not be matching up. Yeah, Paul David Tripp warns us of a shift that happens on the bottom of 101. Uh, and he goes and talks about it in the middle of the chapter. And we'll get there about uh, how how this shift, uh, when, you know, from when we first start ministry, uh, you know, we do everything we say we're going to do. But as time goes on, we kind of lose those values. Uh, and I'm really excited to jump into this. It sounds fun. Absolutely. So there's two things that, that he's going to talk about today in this in this chapter, uh, two kind of like subtitles to the chapter. And the first thing is this, it says what God says is important. And the second thing is how other things become important. So, uh, so we're going to talk about what God says is important, which is exciting because it, it again, it, it's convicting to think about what is important to God. And it should be because it's like, all right, 
I've got to align my ways with God's ways. Like if I'm truly pursuing Jesus in this life, like I'm truly going after God with everything I've got, then my my what is important to me needs to line up with what is important to him. So we're going to discuss that. And then we also get to discuss how other things become important. And, and that's easy uh, for other things to kind of take that place, for other things to sneak into this path because it's like I've got a lot going on. I've got a lot of things. And so, of course, other things are going to become important. So it's 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 going to be a fun chapter, I think, to discuss and to just kind of reflect on. Um, and so the first thing, again, it says what God says is important. And uh, I actually underlined the very first sentence in this, guys. Uh, it says a leadership community is spiritually safe and prepared for a long-term and productive life of ministry only when what is important to God is not just theologically important to them, but is functionally important to them. So it's not, again, it's not just an idea. It's not just theology that you believe in and that you teach and that you uh, think about out loud, but it's also your actions, right? It's also, it's also how your leadership and how your ministry is functioning, uh, it's not just uh, that you believe that God and his ways are important, but it's also that you are, are, are leading your ministry in that direction and leading your own life in that direction. Does that make sense? Yes. Then it goes on <clears throat> right after that. It says, uh, the life and work of a leadership community is shaped not just by the gifts of its leaders, their vast experience, the force of their public personalities, entrepreneurial skill or vision, and strate- strategic planning but most importantly, by their values. So it like talks about all this stuff um, that are important, but all of that is shaped by what they value. So it's like their character shapes these things. Um, and if we're not valuing the things that uh, God values, like those stuff will, it will come out eventually, like the shift we've been talking about, right? Over time, right? You could fake it for a little while, but your true character will come out sooner or later, uh, depending on different things that happen, could happen sooner, could happen later, but it's going to happen if it's not placed in the right place, right? So, yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of outside pressures on people, especially as you get older and life events happen, as you get married, as you have kids. Uh, you know, that coupled with you know the, I mean, even the honeymoon phase of a job. You know, I mean, it's it's really exciting to get started in ministry, but then criticism start hitting and people start maybe judging you what you feel is, is unfairly. And you just kind of get past that, you know, that, that honeymoon phase of everything. Then your motives really start to um, become unearthed really. You know, it's, it's, if the calling isn't there, even, even back to that, if the calling isn't there for what you're doing, then you're probably going, uh, let's not say probably, you're going to struggle because the calling needs to be there because ministry's hard, you know? Um, and, you know, he says, um, you know, at the bottom of 102, most often this movement occurs in small increments over many years, so small and slow changing that it's hard to notice. I mean, there you go. Yeah. He, uh, he tells us, uh, I like how he words this. I think it's very important, but he says it's important for a ministry leadership community to keep asking the question, is what's important to God still important to us? Before we even get to that question, he, he says that it, it's important for a leadership to keep asking that question. It's not just that we ask it once 
It's that we keep asking that question. Like year in and year out, we before we even, you know, youth ministry is very like routine. I feel like it gets into a routine. You you, you do the things that you do in, in spring semester, you do uh, the summer, you have your camps and all that stuff. And the fall semester looks very similar to it. It gets into a very uh, routine uh, sequence all, year in and year out. And so you enter into a year and you ask yourself, is what is important to God still important to us? Like uh, before I even plan this calendar out, before I even plan these events out this year, uh, is what is important to God still important to us? Like, are we planning this with God on, like following God first, like following his lead uh, and planning this calendar out and allowing him to show us the events to do, the things to do, how we, you know, what we want to accomplish with these things, stuff like that. And so I think it's important to, to like underline doubly, uh, like double underline, keep, uh, like keep asking this question. It's not just I ask it once at the beginning of my ministerial career and then never ask again. No, it's every, you know, all the time, constantly asking and reevaluating and wondering is what is important to God really important to me uh, and, and the way that I'm leading this leadership. You know, you got to put that always up for, first and foremost, you know, um, in seminary, one of my professors in class of 55 of us said, if there's anything you're going to remember from these three years, remember this one statement. Ministry is people. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I can write that down. I can remember that. But uh, everything I remember from seminary, that's the one thing, quote, ministry's people. Because how true that is. You know, anybody can learn ministry. You can learn the functions of that. You can learn the form of that. But when you get in the trenches with people and the character of your care for people, what what you're made up to be able to, by God, led by God to do that, and to then look at each moment of each day, Lord, what what song do you have for me to to share this Sunday, Lord Jesus? What what uh, what media? What what slide? What uh, verse to put out on social media this week? You know, for my students, what what do I need to bring to them this week in this series? What words do they need to hear? Asking Him to go before you, which He has, and He's already won the victory. Mm-hmm. We just have to make sure we're in tune with Him to be able to do that, and that reflects back on our character of how are we walking with Him every day to be sensitive enough to hear. Mm. That's good. It's so good, and, and and so we we ask this question, and and then he leads to the fact that that people stop asking this question, and people move away from the answers to this question. Why? Because and it's a, it's a like we said, it's a slight shift. It's not even just like that they completely walk away from it, but it's a slight shift. So you may ask this question in ministry, and then you just kind of walk so gradually walk. Why do you walk away from it? Well, you have success. Uh, success or busyness, stuff like that, starts to creep in, and and, and distract us from continuing to ask this question over and over and over again. And so our values begin to change. Uh, our, our focus on God begins to change. Our, our uh, disciplined worship and, um, and devotion time with God begins to, to slack and stuff like that. All these things begin to happen because we, we lose focus and we, and we allow busyness in our life and things to take over. Uh, kind of like what you were saying earlier, Joel. Like, I mean, life changes. And also, I think we allow people to affect that. You, you say ministry is people. Well, I think we allow people to, to affect these things too. We allow people to affect our, our uh, sometimes 
Hmm. How do I want to say this? We allow people to affect it as well because we we get so caught up in people and their stories that we forget that hey we have we have the answer. It's God. Uh, we have uh, the ability to to pray incredible things over people and to allow God to work in inside of their lives and do things in their lives that we could never do. Uh, and so we we think we we almost give ourselves too much power and too much credit. Uh, and, and that again it takes us away from what is important to. God and, and so I just I think there's a lot of different things and a lot of different distractions that could pull us away from asking this question and continuing to ask this question as we work through ministry and work through life and work with people. That's why that daily devotion, you know, that daily just reset, that reminder. That's why it's so important, you know, because it is a daily struggle. It's a daily Fight is a daily, as his, he'll talk about later, it's a daily war. We are walking into war, you know, and I, I, I remember Rusty, you know, talking in like staff meeting about how you and your family put on spiritual armor mm-hmm. every morning and just how how amazing a picture that is in scripture and just how, I don't know, I, I, I respect you, just mad respect for that, you know. Well, you know, I, I, my family's only going to follow how well prepared I am. And what Joel's referring to was uh, a study that I was doing for my church-wide opportunity of spiritual warfare. And as I was getting into that and and preparing and looking, the Lord convicted on me saying, are you prepared? You know, because if if, uh, Jesus can say to Peter, 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 Satan has asked me for you, what's stopped him from asking for any of us? You know, and yep. so so in sitting my young boys down uh, and my wife at that point and saying, hey, this is a study dad's going to do. And I want to explain to you, uh, this is God. Jesus has already won the victory, but we have to talk about what happens in this world. Just like that picture of what God created for good and what Satan changed, you know, changed yep. through that black light from my yep. testimony. And so we did. And one of the things that came out of that little family meeting was standing at the door praying and putting on our armor of God, physically putting our armor together before we stepped out that door for our day. For At that point, it was elementary school for the kids, you know, for the boys, uh, my wife as a teacher, myself as a pastor. And uh, it's it, we've done it ever since. And yep. so it's an incredible opt, And that's being prepared. And that's us as leaders leading our families first, you know, individually, your personal devotion, study, and then with our family. Yeah, it's also your, your character saying that being prepared for my day and having my family prepared for the day and leading my family to God and to the throne every morning is important to me. And I'm not just going to tell you that it's important to me. I'm going to show you every morning, no matter how busy it gets, no matter how hectic our morning is, no matter how little rest I got last night, uh, no matter if somebody called me at three o'clock in the morning and I had to go out and then come back home and stuff like that, and I'd rather be in bed, that kind of stuff. I, no matter what, this is important to me and I'm going to show it to you every single morning. So that's, again, that's character, that's discipline, that's life in balance. And that's exactly what we're talking about. And that's called tough. Yeah. It is tough. Yeah. You know, every day to be able to be prepared and like that, but it's tough, but it takes work and the work is worth it. Yeah. And I'm sure it would be so easy for you to like in the small increments that we're talking about to slide away from that. Like, like if you did get a bad night's rest and you're like, I really don't want to get out of bed this morning. I could sleep for another hour before I actually have to be at work. Um, And you know, just, but if you sacrifice once, like if you don't do it one morning, then it's easier to do it 
another morning down the road, and then it's, it just gets easier and easier and increment like small increments. It mm-hmm. uh, you're all of a sudden you're giving up that discipline, and then you're showing uh, just a, this slack in your character, and, and so. Well, and that's all Satan looks for is that little crack. I mean, when, as a pastor, you're weary. Um, it could be multiple hospital visits. It could be uh, church members that are struggling with something, and you're trying to help them through it. It could be the ugliness of out-of-the-spirit church members, if I can say it that way, who uh, want it their, their way for a certain—they just want it their way. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes uh, away the, the plan of ministry and the hope of ministry and the direction of ministry, but you're working through that. And so when you get weary and tired and frustrated and all that, and then there's that little crack, Mm -hmm. which we all have, Mm -hmm. and Satan gets in there, and that's when destruction begins to happen. I think another aspect of character that we see in this is that it also takes character to say, it also shows that it is important for you to lead your family spiritually as the the man of the house. And, and that's the role that God has given you in Scripture, and that's what he's called you to do as the man of the house, lead spiritually. And so you're not just saying that that is important to you, but you're also showing that it's important to you. Uh, even though that you're also leading a congregation, you're shepherding a whole nother flock, and, and you're pouring yourself out, and you're probably empty at times, and, and you're just like, I'm still doing this with my family. I'm still leading my family spiritually. Like that is important to me. That is my character. That's who I am. Yeah. That's uh, and I'm going to show it to you. And one of the sweetest things that ever happens to me is when my wife will send me something from her devotion, mm. and I thought, yes, okay, I, she's she's behind me, going at it also. So you know, cool. or my my daughter will send me uh, an encouraging word in high school or a text or a scripture verse. I'm like, yes, she gets it. She understands it. You know, I, I was excited this a couple weeks ago when I had the opportunity to preach, and uh, my daughter, uh, Susie, uh, leaned over to me before I got up and said, God's gone before you. Mm. And this is my Filipino adopted daughter wow. who just spoke truth in my life mm. right before I got up. I was that like... Ooh, buddy, I'm trying not to cry going up, man, you know, but it's, it's good stuff. But that's the things of the character of a leader, of pastor is so vital and important. That's so good. And, and, and so we, we, we t- he talks about this, uh, the, the fact that people increment in increments can slide away from this. They can, you know, small cracks happen inside their character and think they fall away from things. Um, and, and, and it gives us this nice reminder of, you know, I think us as leaders, uh, handle people like that in grace, like people that are falling away, people that uh, uh, fellow leaders that are falling away, stuff like that. We handle this with grace. Why? Because he reminds us at the bottom of 103, every leader of every ministry also does his work in the context of a world where evil is all around, where what God says is ugly uh, will be presented as attractive. Mm. And so we live in a world where what God says is ugly, sin, is presented to us as attractive. And every leader is having to deal with that. So every leader is fighting that fight. Every leader is battling that battle. All of us in this room, all of us, listen, we're all fighting spiritual warfare uh, and we're all tempted. None of us are, 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 um, are really, uh, Exempt. No, nobody's exempt. immune no, to exact. it. Yeah. Nobody's immune. Nobody's exempt from temptation. Uh, but the cool thing is that we all have, well, I hope, uh, we all have a God inside of us that gives us the power to choose him over that temptation. Amen. Uh, but we have to uh, handle ourselves and handle each other in grace, knowing that we're all fighting this fight. And so uh, we need encouragement to to stay in the fight. We need each other to encourage 
uh, each other, uh, to stay in the fight, to, to remain, uh, to remember what is important to God and make it important to you and continue to live that out and continue to fight this fight, continue to walk and put one foot in front of another. Man, the battle scars are tough, though. They hurt. Absolutely. The bruises, the blood, the and I'm not talking uh, visible. I'm mm-hmm. talking the inside. It's really tough when ugliness happens. It's really tough when uh, uh, toxicity happens. It really tucks, It hurts when narratives happen, and you're just trying to, one, love Jesus and serve him, mm-hmm. wow. you know, and bring others to him. And, uh, and so it, it's, it's tough and it hurts. Yeah. And so being aware, being, uh, noticing around you, people, leaders, other pastors that are hurting, you know, um, uh, I, I am so thankful for a pastor in our area. Uh, a, a year ago, uh, this called me and said, Hey, can I spend some time with you? And we met, uh, we met at the, the famous Chick-fil-A and, uh, <laughs> had the opportunity to go through a book called Tempered Resilience. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible. And it was every Monday this pastor spent time with me like that. And as a pastor, uh, appreciating that pastor, just helping me work through uh, a, a troubled time, man, it meant the world to me. And to still have that connection now and knowing that uh, the encouraging word we have with each other every time we see each other, we need that. But we got to be visible to see that and step up to be able to help people who may not have the strength at that moment that we may have. Absolutely, because... If we're not there to help leaders, fellow leaders that are in pain, uh, to to you know to lift them up, to encourage them, to help them heal, then it's very easy for their character to fall away. You know, their character to start to slip because of the pain that's happening in their life. Well, I've been hurt, so I'm walking away, or I've been destroyed. I'm walking away. Somebody said a lie about me, so I'm walking away, or somebody hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them back. That kind of so like that's the kind of that's the temptations that you're faced with when you're in pain uh, and you've been hurt. Um, and, and so if we don't, like you said, if we don't see fellow leaders that are in hurt, that are in pain, and, and we don't go to their need, go to their rescue and help them and point them back to God and just help them to to, to stay in check with their character, uh, then they can easily fall away, slip away. Uh, their character can easily slip away. Yeah. And I, th- I think we have to remember, I mean, he goes on right after that to say every leader of every ministry works in a world where the enemy lurks, seeking to divert, deceive, and destroy. We really just have to remember beyond sometimes the words that people are saying, I feel like that there's an enemy on the other side and that you really have to look past uh, the actions sometime and realize that there's hurt in that person's life, that there is an enemy driving something in that person's life. And while they may be hurling blows and and insults and whatever it may be at you, if you can focus on the fact that this is the enemy and and do what God called us to do and, and, and restore and reconcile these people to God, then that... I mean that helps. That may, 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 well, maybe that helps the battle scars a little well, it bit. It does. You know, yeah. Stacy and I have this thing that we've said for years, and she said it to me after our first about our first year of marriage. Uh, I was working at the college as director of student activities, and and I came home pretty frustrated about something, and and definitely learned through that avenue how to handle my frustration a different way before I got home. And she looked at me. She said, "I'm not the enemy." Mm. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. for 33 years, we have used that to each other, not in an ugly way, just to realize when something's up, 
hey, I'm not the enemy. Because you can yeah. come across that way. Yeah. And to be able to help her spirit, my spirit, our unity together to not let Satan get through that is, hey, just remember, I'm not the enemy. Yeah, you know, good. it's yeah, powerful. That's really good. Really good advice. I actually think even building off of that, uh, what I was thinking earlier is like in, in this book, actually in like its entirety, there has been a reoccurring message of you have people going through the same things that you're going through. Like everybody's being tempted by this. So please use them, not like in the sense that that's the only reason you're talking to them, but in the sense that you have that ability to be in communication and uh, community with other believers that are going through the same thing. So hold each other accountable and really work with each other and make that a consistent thing. Not just, you know, once every time you think about it, but like really genuinely work on that and being in that communication, um, set something up. If, if it's like a one-on-one thing, like it's, a uh, uh, a small group, like little leadership community that gets together, like just get together and hold each other accountable in these issues. Like that's something that will really help your character right there because people, you can have them being a little bit uh, blunt with you. Uh, Cause that sometimes helps me sometimes when someone's like, Hey, Sam, stop it. You're being dumb. And I'm like, Oh wow. Yeah. I didn't see that before. Thank you. Um, and sometimes, sometimes we need that. And, um, especially with this, like through all the, the battles we're going through, like that bluntness is not like they're your enemy trying to tear you down. Like you're saying, it's, we're on the same side. We're trying to bring the best out of you. And we're trying to get that character, bring the best character out of you. And all of that, even talking with people, it's all pointing to Christ. And that's the purpose of that. And so I think like, I, I, I could talk about like accountability, accountability partners all day because I just, I don't know that it's helped me so much in my life. Like uh, going into college, my first uh, year and having like my roommate and I knowing each other for so long and us um, starting up that accountability partner um, meetings every, um, we would do it at, at one point. It was like twice every week, but um, it really helped me um and it really helped him as we we're going through a part in our life where it was, everything was really new to us. Um, it was a whole new stage, right? So it helped us a lot. And I think it really strengthened our character during that. Uh, I'm just going to keep plugging in the word character every time I can. That's <laughs> that is what we're talking about. So. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know, it, it's helped me a lot. And, um, and I'm kind of sad that we've kind of fallen away from doing that. I, uh, now just, saying things to say, I, I really think we should bring that, um, back, but it, it really helped me. And so I will always tell people like, if you have the opportunity to do that, we do have the opportunity to do that. Um, uh, and when done in the right way, um, showing that grace that God has given us showing love to people, um, and rebuking them with that love, like, um, it really, really is beneficial to your life. It really can grow you so much. That's good. Uh, so he goes into 
he, he uses scripture, which is nice. Uh, this is always, uh, that's one thing about this book that is incredible is that it's, it's covered up in scripture. And so he goes into uh, a couple of places in scripture. The first one is going to be in first Timothy three, one through seven. Uh, and this is where he, he gets very specific on this is what is important to God. Okay. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and read it. Uh, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not a violent, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, dignity keeping his children submissive. For if any someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Uh, yes, this is an excellent verse to uh, to really explain what is important to God. Bam, hit all the ballpark right there. Yeah, absolutely. He, he explains all the qualities that God expects of a leader, of a person uh, in leadership. And so one of the very first things you see that is important to God is what? Character. Hmm. How about Amen. that? Uh, so he should be a person that is above reproach. It's his character. He, you know, so um, one of the things I have underlined is at the bottom of 104, he says, leaders who have character lead with character model what is truly important and encourage the same in others. So it's not just that, uh, it was, first of all, so you lead in character. For, for, well, uh, first of all, you have character, all right? So again, it's a, it's a personal change. It's, it's change inside of your own heart, first of all. Then you lead in character. You, you then turn that around and you apply it to how you lead and how you are leading people and how you are encouraging people. Then you model that inside of your own life. So you're living it out. And then on top of that, you're going to take somebody with you and teach them how to do it too, yeah. right? Model's a key word. Mm -hmm. You know, Sam uh, mentioned it uh, as an accountability partner or um, a mentor. Modeling's incredible. I can't tell you for years that what I've watched, I'm a very visual person, but watched people and then asked questions about it. Um, you know, as a, as a young believer heading into ministry, my girlfriend from high school, her mom pulled me aside one day, incredible lever, uh, her, uh, Paul and Karen Green, and Karen pulled me aside and said, I know you're heading into ministry, but do not let it change who you are and the character that you have as a believer. And I thought, I listened for a minute, and I knew that had some history there and some depth. And so for them as a Christian couple, that modeled for me something that I never saw for uh, a while. And then I kept looking at other pastors and ministers and such. So that modeling's crucial mm -hmm. if you have not seen it before, but to look for people and to ask good questions of why they do what they do and to add to your life that. So I love the word model. That just really mm -hmm. resonated with me on that. Yeah, it's so good. And I, I think it's important to see also that in this list of qualities and also in, in that statement, 
that character is so much more important than performance gifts. Like, like we are naturally attracted to the people that are super good at speaking and super loud and, and super good at singing. Uh, and we're attracted to the performance. We're attracted to uh, the, the beauty and stuff like that. We're attracted to that thing, uh, those things. Uh, but that is not what is important to God, apparently, because it's in his list of qualities here, you see one thing, teaching. That's the only performance gift that you see. And the rest of it is based on character. It's based on your heart. It's based on who you really are and how you're living that out and how you're modeling that and how you're leading people and how to do that. So it's it, we see that, that you know, character is where you got to start. In your heart is where you have to start. And then how you do the rest of it comes from that character. Obviously, it's clear that God values character, but... A lot of times we value other things like big personality. Like you just said, we mm-hmm. value ministry effectiveness and structure and how organized somebody looks and how good someone's preaching. And we twist that into thinking that they have great character. Later on, he describes, you know, sayings, you know, oh, it's a shame because they were such a, you know, good preacher. They were such a gifted preacher, but we can skew giftedness for being spiritually in tune from the outside yeah, and what's because our values change. And what's interesting is about that is that this giftedness, we look at that and that's how we hire people. That's how we wow. recruit leaders. Yep. That's how mm. we, that's what we look at guys. We don't look at these qualities and think uh, things like I'm looking for somebody that's gentle. I'm looking for some, you know, we don't look at these qualities. That's not the first thing we do that, that probably sh- it should be. And so that's, again, it's a check to us, like how we hire people, how we recruit leaders, how we are, uh, how we uh, are, even our list of qualities for our leaders, like it needs to line up with these qualities, right? And so uh, I, I think it also puts in check, like how we hire people, what we look for in people, what we look for in leaders, what we look for when we're recruiting leaders um, and, and people to teach our classes and people to disciple our people. You know, that's important. And that that right there sums up, you know, most people to teach, but then everything else that comes behind that. Um, uh, many years ago, I heard uh, uh, a uh, pastor of education who was leading a conference for us. The question was asked, what qualifications do you have for your teachers? And he used this verse. But then he said, and someone asked, well, what about... Uh, you know, the big, you know, elephant in the room about drinking. And he goes, well, it's funny that you say that because uh, one of my key givers to our church, who is one of my key teachers, when I was teaching this of our guidelines that we're going to have, said, he said, he said, Pastor, you said that if, if someone drinks, that they're not able to be a teacher for this ministry. And he said, yes. He goes, well, what happens? I, what happens if I have one glass of wine at Christmas? He goes, is that going to keep me from teaching? And the room was silent. And then he turned around and said, this is what I said back to him. So let me ask you, are you going to let one glass of wine at Christmas keep you from teaching? And it wasn't the the glass of wine was the issue. It was the spirit that came with that. He wanted everybody to be above reproach as they led the people of that church through scripture and, and groups and discipleship and Sunday school or life point groups or whatever it may be. And, and it was, it was very valid because you got to look at the character of that. What, what does that mean? How is that going to be viewed under the leadership of that pastor with these other leaders that he's bringing along with him to lead people to Jesus? You know, it, it was pretty, it was very in my face. Yeah. Well, I have to, I got to think about that. Yeah. 
I think it's important when, it, when we look at character too is that that we shape our character like this out of love for God. Amen. Like we allow God to shape our character because we love him. We we want our character and we want to look more and more like Jesus and more like God because we love him. It's not because we want to be good little kids and we want to follow all the rules and all this stuff. It's because we truly love him and we want this to to shape us and to mold us and to change us and to make us look more like Jesus. It's the the process of sanctification, right? It's it's the walk with Jesus is to more, look more and more like him as we journey with him. And so, yeah, this list of 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 qualities should actually absolutely be how we look what we look to when we are looking to hire somebody when we're looking to recruit leaders it should be uh the the um the standard that we hold our leaders to it should be the standard that people should hold us to i mean we are not uh, above reproach does not mean we're we're above being touched uh, like that does not mean that people should just let us live however we want to that means that we are held to these these same qual- uh, qualities these same uh these same uh wow uh same qualities. standards yeah. these yeah. same standards yeah. the same qualities um why because it is so critical it's so important and he says why on on page 105 he says a leader who is quarrelsome values being right and in control more than he values what wow. God says in right uh, says is right in his heart and life. A leader who is not self-controlled can't say no to himself because he values what he wants more than he values what God wants for him. Guys, if I could, te- wow, <laughs> if I could teach powerful. some students that, that would be amazing. Uh, literally, that is what we're trying. Like That is almost all of student ministry right now is like getting it in students' heads that, hey, what God wants for you is the best and what and and desiring him is like the best thing you can do and having a relationship with him is like the best thing that could ever happen to you and and, and most of your life is going to be spent trying to say what God wants is more important than what I want and, and, and putting taming those passions and taming those desires and just choosing God constantly in your life. And, and so, um, and so he says again, he says a leader who is self, who's not self-controlled can't say no to himself because he values what he wants more than he values what God wants for him. Every character quality on this list is a window into what God values most in the heart and life of those who he is called to lead. I would go even further to say that this is a, uh, this is what God wants in the heart of those that he has called to follow him. Uh, mm. Not just the leaders, but he, this is what God wants in the people that, that are chosen to have a relationship with him and chosen to follow him as their Lord and Savior. Well, you got to move self out of the way. You, you got I mean, you got to yeah. realize it's in us, but also in our leaders and other people. If we, if, if self is in the way, you're going to trip and stumble in everything. You may be good at the show. You may be good at the word. You may be good at the look. You may mm. be good at the dance, yeah. but self is in the way, wow. you know, and that's going to affect, and people will read right through that. And uh, there's a reason why they call them selfies. Mm. Didn't want to go there, but I just did. <laughs> Come on. I love it. Bring it. Wow. Like Rusty's saying, you know, you can, it falls flat. Like ministry, like when the value, when the character, when all of that isn't there. Yeah, you know, I mean, I can, I can speak, speak to it from worship music ministry. When the spirit isn't there, when you are not worshiping from the stage, when you're just playing through the songs and everything, if, if, if it falls flat. Absolutely. Yeah. It's because uh, it's because you have no power 
That's right. to speak to the hearts of people That's and right. to change the hearts of people and to That's convict right. the hearts of people. That is the, the job of the Holy Spirit. That's right. When you're doing it in your own strength, it doesn't connect. But when you are you are solely focused on leading that way, leading that charge to the throne of, of, of grace, to the throne of God, then people, they, they sense it. People who are either in tune to the Spirit or or people whom God is drawing to them, it's it's contagious. Absolutely. Uh, the next passage of Scripture that he points our attention to is 2 Corinthians five sixteen through 21. And this is what it says. It says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we want... We once regarded, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. Uh, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Guys, we talked about being ambassadors last week, and I, I, I might get us fired up last <laughs> time. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it, I'll keep it tame this week. Uh, but in this passage, Paul unpacks the redemptive activity that produces the gospel zeal that forms, shapes, motivates, and directs his ministry. And, and so, what, what it, again, what Paul David Tripp is saying is that Paul, he, he it's because of what Jesus has done in us. Uh, it shapes our character. The gospel is not just a message that saves us. It also then takes us on this journey that shapes us and molds us and, sh- and changes who we are on the inside. And it reconnects us to the Father. And because of that, everything about us changes. Our character, what is important to us, our passion, our desires, our life, how we conduct ourselves, all this. And so our character changes. And it, and then that is the message that we are given to take to people this message of reconciliation now we're we're ambassadors we're and we're not just we are we're begging people earnestly begging people to come and be a part of the same thing yes but this comes after we've given ourselves up and we've taken the power our power and given it to god it and and so he says here it it explodes false identities and many remaining pride in personal righteousness, it explodes Satan's lies and accusations against any child of God. It blows away the fear that would make people hide and deny. Hmm. It spiritually bankrupts us is what it does. It makes us rely totally on God and him transforming and forming our minds and our hearts and our motives um, for and, and how we deal with with situations, how we deal with congregants, how we deal with each other, each other, uh, fellow leaders, and others we work with to hopefully achieve one common goal, mm. and that is expanding the kingdom. It's a great passage. It is, and at the bottom of one hundred six, Paul David Tripp puts it like this: He says, "We are part of the amazing work of God, where He recreates us in Christ, reconciles us to Himself." does not hold our sins against us anymore, amen, and then turns and entrusts the message of the, the, these glorious realities to us. 
So this is the message. All right, guys, this is the message. We're, uh, we're created in Christ, recreated in Christ. We, we're reconciled to God. We've been fi- the, the relationship between us and God is fixed. We're reconnected with the Father, and, and he doesn't hold our sins against us anymore. We've been forgiven, and, and that is the message that we are turning around and sharing to the people uh, that God has entrusted us with that message, and he's also entrusted us with these people and given us this responsibility to go and share the message. That's where it's starting. That, that's the cool part about this, too, is that it's go share the message, not go save people. Thank goodness. Wow. Again, that's the Holy Spirit's job. That's right. <laughs> you know, as a kid, we used to line up on the line. He said, on your mark, get set, go. I think we just were giving it right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Come on. That's, such, that's so good. Only thing I wanted to add to that, you know, at, at, at the top of 107, you know, the the we have the mission, we have all of it, but again, just the the importance of of character and values, you know, he says uh, in the middle of 107, the danger in church and ministry leadership is that something else will begin to take the place of the gospel in your mind and heart, and if it does, you will no longer value what your Savior values or conduct yourself in a way that pleases Him. So again, just another reminder that this is super exciting, you know, and it's easy as a new believer, new in ministry to get excited, but just another reminder that that as we go throughout ministry and as we go about life, the enemy's going to try to to knock us back, to 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 cause that fear in us to get us to uh, to Conduct our way, like he says. Conduct yourself in a way um, that 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 pleases him. I think I, you know I think another way of saying that is that idolatry is always on its way to exactly. to sneak into your life. It's exactly. always easy for things to become idols. Even ministry, ministry is very easily becomes an idol inside of our life. And so, uh, anything that takes the place of of the gospel and of Jesus inside of our hearts becomes an idol, right? And so, mm-hmm. and so that's it's another warning of idolatry inside of life and inside of ministry. Well, that's the danger of that. It not only yeah. can happen in your life, yeah. it could be brought to you by somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, how do I work with this? How do I, uh, what's my role in this? How do I, how do I need to be prepared mm-hmm. to handle this? And you know what God's doing with you. Yes, you, but when someone else brings something in there that is maybe over you that uh, is changing the whole plan uh, related to what God had what had in store for you. You know, there was a time in ministry where uh, I had the ability to, like you said, for your calendar, to be able to pray and see what God had in store uh, for this next semester, this next year, the year after that, and to prayerfully work through that. But when someone over you comes in and um, said, stop that, you're going to do what I'm going to tell you to do. That's the danger of that. You've got to be prepared because if you're not prepared, it's going to be the come apart time. Yeah, once we start to value our, what's important to us as leaders, once we start to value the um, the things like the, the everyday, um, the everyday like flow, workflow of being a minister, you know, the, the work you got to get done, you start valuing those things over what is important to God. And so then you start being an ambassador for ministry, you start being an ambassador for the idols 
what's important to you and not an ambassador of God. And yeah. that's real dangerous. Yeah, and I love when he starts talking about ambassadorship. I, I love talking about that because the role of an ambassador is to represent. And an ambassador is is a foreigner, right? Uh, is, is, a, is a person from another country, uh, which is exactly what we are. This is not our home. Earth is not our home. Heaven is our home. And so we are, we are representatives from a foreign land here on a, on a, 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 to represent a person, a country, a per, in our, in our case, it is to represent God. All right. And so, uh, the, the role of a, of an ambassador is to represent, um, and it's easy for us to, to get caught up and represent the wrong things. Uh, it's easy for us to, uh, to, we're not representing a church or ministry. We're not representing a political party. We're not representing uh, a political idea or the, we're, we're not, we're not representing any of that things, uh, any of those things. And at the bottom of 107, he says they must, uh, and this is talking about ambassadors. All right. Uh, they're not, they're also not representing a strategic plan or, or, um, or, or personal ministry. That's not what we're called to, to represent. Uh, what he says at the bottom of 107 is they must lead with the knowledge that the thing God values most in a leader is that he or she represents him well. It represents God well. I, right. We're not here to represent anything right. else other than God well. Right. Uh, not, not here to represent Eric well or the church at Grace Point well, even though we want to do that because those things carry the name of God with them and the thought of God with them. When people see the church at Grace Point, they think, oh, those people represent God. I hope that's what they think. Uh, and so that if we're representing God well, that is exactly what they will think, by the way. Uh, and, and so as a leadership, uh, we represent God, we represent him well. In every task, in every relationship, in public or in private, we are called to an ambassadorial mentality, to ambassadorial value, values, <laughs> and to ambassadorial functioning. And, and so everything about us, uh, our, our function, what we do, our lives, our values, our mentality is all about representing God. And, you know, representing and, and, well. I, and I, I am, I love practicality. Mm-hmm. So for me, let's take a Sunday morning, uh, before church. Um, uh, I, I love coming into church and being prepared before anybody gets there. I love to pray through the worship center. I love to pray through the commons area. I love to play uh, for the entryways. Uh, that that just intrigues me because I know God's going to do something special. But my prayer is also, Lord, who do you have for me to come in contact with If in saying this as an ambassador today that needs that personal touch, that needs that word of encouragement? If it's the the family that's had the struggles of just getting the car to getting here, if it's the, the single man that's coming and going to sit in the back and not sure what's going on in his life? Is it the the single mom that has the young child that came in, uh, you know, to have a word of encouragement to help them get from point A to point B? It's 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 how do you how do you make people feel welcome? Welcome as an ambassador, I call it the ministry of presentation, the ministry of opportunity, and I feel like we all need to be that uh, on Sundays and any throughout the week, but on Sundays especially because these are people coming to us, mm-hmm. and so as an ambassador, that that's important. Mm-hmm. You represent Jesus, so we need to stand and serve Jesus, mm-hmm. which is the people that are coming. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's it's extremely important to God for us to represent God and represent Him well. I think that that Paul David Tripp puts it like this. He pretty much says, I'm I'm kind of summarizing this before I read it, but he pretty much says that everything should be put through the lens of ambassadorship. 
ambassadorial things. Like, and so what he says is that it's almost like it's almost like you're draining out the spaghetti and you're getting rid of all. You know, the, I don't know. Uh, I, I, maybe I not. like it. But like uh, it. draining but, out the water. Of yeah, the you're spaghetti. draining out the water. Uh, you're draining the water out of the spaghetti, and, and so everything that's falling out is just like things that don't belong. And, and the spaghetti is our ambassadorship. We'll just leave it at that. Well, uh, maybe that's a terrible example. Maybe I should have thought through that a little bit more. But uh, in other words, this is what he, this is what he says. Let's just get to what he's saying because I'm messing this all up. So I'm thinking about dinner. <laughs> I am. I'm thinking. No, I'm not. Uh, one away. Every message we privately or publicly communicate must be tested by our ambassadorial calling. Every methodology we employ as a leadership community must be evaluated on the basis of our ambassadorial calling. Uh, all our attitudes and action must be measured by our call to faithfully represent the character of the one who sent us. Guys, that that is yeah, huge. I yeah. mean, that that if that doesn't make you to sit down, turn around, and take a look at your own heart and the things that you're doing, the motives, the 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 things that you are doing with your life and uh, and in your life and stuff, if that doesn't make you just really take a heart check, uh, I don't know what will. That is extremely convicting. Uh, to, to, to me. Well, it's yeah. in speaking and in being quiet and listening. Because mm. sometimes we just need to listen and let somebody get something off their chest or, or hear what's taking place in the life of others or seeing what other leaders and ministers are doing. And that's, that's part of that. Mm-hmm. And so just being available like that. Yeah, I love how he, he even goes on at the bottom of 108 to say, I'm persuaded that if we made ambassadorial calling our leadership standard, not only would we no longer allow things in our leaders that we have tended to allow, but we would be filled with such remorse at what poor ambassadors we are that we would fall to our knees in confession and seek the rescuing, forgiving, and enabling grace of God and publicly confess our weakness and failure to those God has called us to lead. The, the the humility that if we, man, if we really take this to heart, this, if we refocus ourselves and, and on our ambassadorial calling, really the, the humility that it should cause the, um, like he says, the remorse that, oh my gosh, like, what have we been doing? Yeah. You know, like, what, what, what has this become for us if we really evaluate it sometimes? That last part, like double underline for me, that when it starts where it publicly confess our weakness and failure to those God has called us to lead, like you 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 said, humble, and that um, that's that's a great way to put that. It's very humbling to admit that stuff, and it's very, it's almost it can be really scary to be that open and stuff. But that's just like showing those you lead that you don't have it all together is one of the most important things you can do as a leader because it shows them that like, hey, I'm still working through the things. I'm still in the trenches with you. I'm still fighting alongside you. I'm not just here. I've not made it. I'm not off the top. I'm not just telling you these things because uh, I know, already know I know how to do it. I'm telling you these things because I'm currently trying to do it right now. And I'm trying to work through it. And and that, that I mean, just it's so encouraging to people that are still struggling that are under your leadership. Like, Hey, if the guy that's leading me is struggling with this too, um, we can work together in that. Um, and that, I don't know. I love that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is so encouraging. I'm just going to keep using that word because that's how it makes me feel. Yeah. Um, 
and I just think I think it's important that not that just we just spew out every like sin that we ever have, just keep doing that, but like to be open about the things that we're struggling with too, um, and being met with love and with grace is very, very important. Yeah, too many people put pastors on pedestals and maybe it's partially collectively our fault um, as, as church leadership, you know, because some of the things we've talked about even before in this book to where we have even personally kind of, kind of put ourselves on pedestals, but all, all, all the more reason, Sam, like you're saying to be transparent and to say, look, we're, we're in this same fight. You know, God has called me as, as a, as a pastor, he has called me to equip I'm not on another level than you. I'm 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 in a different role than you. And and my job is again, like I was saying, to equip. But there's 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 we're on we're in the same war together. You know, sometimes I, I saw this at the very end and I've thought about this many times. Sometimes we have to because of all that we deal with, we have to rescue us from us. Mm. Yeah. You know, we we when we are so prideful in what takes place, what we do, what we accomplished, what we, how much money we took in, how many nickels and noses, all this stuff. Sometimes, uh, I, I heard, I heard it say this one time, sometimes even the life-saving station needs to be saved. Mm. Yeah. Rescue us from us. Well, that's the difference between putting faith in God and putting faith in, in your leader. I th- I've experienced in the past pastors and leaders somehow convincing their ministry to put like faith in them. And it's like so dangerous. It's a very dangerous place to be to where you have leaders who don't want to be transparent and don't want to in humility, you know, confess their weaknesses. Mm, It's very, very dangerous to stay in that place where you want people to put faith and trust in you. It's, mm, I couldn't live like that. So he, he brings this section of what is important to God content in with ambassadorship. Like that's the last thing he wants to leave with us. And I, I think that that's a very important for us to see is that this is the last thought he wants to leave with us. And that's how important it is that, that we put ambassadorship representing God, representing God well, knowing mm-hmm. God and letting God be known at the top of our list and everything else just kind of sifts through that. The things that we do, uh, the things that the people we employ, the, the methods that we use, the events that we throw, everything kind of sifts through that as, uh, are we representing God well? Are we uh, representing God at all? And, and so that it kind of goes through the, it just kind of sifts through the, the the lens of ambassadorship first. Um, and so, and then he moves into this section, uh, that w- how other things become important. And, and so he brings to our attention that every leadership community needs to recognize that ministry is an, is an intersection of many competing and conflicting motivations. And so in other words, he's saying, what we all have to realize is that every day we face a couple things. Uh, we face, uh, you know, what is important to God and what is important to man. Uh, are we going to live out God's will today or are we going to live out my will today? Uh, we, we face things like that, all right? And so uh, when we face those things, um, we're in war between those two things, right? Those things are at war with one another, God's will, God's way versus our way and man's way. Uh, And so in this way, ministry leadership is war and we cannot approach it with the passivity of peacetime assumptions. 
Uh, we can never show up at work in the morning, guys, with just like this feeling of peacetime, uh, that, that we are at peace, that this thing is over, that the war is, is, is over. We can have peace in God knowing that the victory is won. Yes, absolutely. But there is a battle to be had today uh, in our minds, in our hearts, and it starts with renewing our minds with God in the morning, very first thing, and handing our life over to Him. And that's how we start the battle, and that's how we, we get a one foot uh, in front, a good front foot, you know, a good sturdy foundation to our day. Um, but we've got to understand that there's a battle that we're fighting every day between am I going to lead my leaders, lead this congregation, lead my youth in in God's way and, and lead them towards him and represent him well and, 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 and point them towards God well and live a good example for them uh, and so that they can see it uh, and they can hear it? Or am I going to live and plan and do things uh, man's way and Eric's way today? And, and that's a constant battle that we mm. walk into every morning. Yeah, I like uh, I like what he says, um, and uh, at the bottom of one hundred nine, when he says, "The most powerful and seductive idols are the ones that are easily Christianized." Uh, Ouch. He, yeah, he he goes on to say, "Here's how we go astray: a ministry leader pursues agendas other than his ambassadorial calling by doing ministry. It's too easy. It's it's too. I mean, I think we we we've seen it in in. I mean, publicly." You know, with with a lot of these pastors and, and and ministry leaders who have maybe become celebrities from ministry, um, you know, maybe on on smaller levels in smaller towns, you see the people who are, are praised for their for their ministry pursuits and and what they've accomplished. And he even goes on on one hundred ten, and uh, man, I just I just I just love the way he, he writes all this. You know, sadly, noble ministry leaders become ignoble ministry leaders, and because their hearts have been kidnapped, they are the, they are the ambassadors of false gods, power, fame, material things, control, acclaim, money, or the world's respect, while still doing ministry. Wow, that hurts. Ouch. Call them out, dude. You know, <laughs> and, and the, the tough thing that hurts about that, that's our, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Yep. Yeah. You know, exactly. And um, and so you want to look in the mirror and go, Lord, please don't let me. Mm. Please keep me from that. Please correct in me if there's something that I've seen or done that is leading me that direction in my ministry. Gosh, you don't want you don't want that. Not you good. don't want it in your life and you 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 mourn and you your heart breaks for them. Yeah. Right to to see yeah. that and just like, and you want to reach out and you you want to 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 be like the the light bulb for them that that sees it and it exposes it and, and it's like, so you you just sit there and your your heart breaks for for people that do reach that point. Right. <laughs> that is it. That kind of reminded me of. Sorry to laugh. It's it's kind of a funny thing where I I I no it's 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 just hear me out. I remember a more public ministry figure or something. I saw something where they were going through a struggle and I don't know why I felt inclined to do it, but I went on Facebook, I found them and I sent a message and just said, Hey, praying for you, you know, hope everything, um, you know, works out for the, for the glory of God, you know, something along those lines. And then I realized it was the wrong person. Uh, totally, <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally different person. Oh no! <laughs> they had like the same name and stuff. 
Uh, but you know, then I started thinking, I was like, well, you know, maybe that, maybe that person, maybe you know, needed, needed to. maybe they needed you never, it. You too. never know, brother. <laughs> never know. So it was one of those, like, I, I literally just kind of jumped after I realized him. I was like, oh, what did I, it, I, I just said that to the wrong person. But yeah. I mean, you send something out, you never know what God has in store, but it just random, completely random story that that reminded me of. Yeah, so uh, another, the next thing he says, you know, why do other things become important? Uh, he says at the top of page 111, he says, the reason we are often too passive in the face of troubling evidence in the attitudes and actions of a leader is that way too often performance trumps character. Okay, so what he's saying here is that, like, why is it that we don't, you know, go and talk to these people? Why don't we uh, talk to our leaders and, and show them that, hey, I think that, you know, some things are going wrong here. Why don't we do... It's because in our minds and in, in congregations' minds and people's minds all over the place, a lot of times performance trumps character. And, and so you start hearing things, and he gives a list of statements as you start to hear. It's like, but he has such a he's such a gifted preacher, but look at the numbers of the people we have come to Christ, but look at how our church has grown, but think about the number of churches we have planted. But And, and so you start seeing people start listening off the successes and, and the, the the numbers and, and stuff like that, but yet uh, there, there's still character that needs to be in check. There's still character that has to be looked at. And, and so what it says is, it says, few leadership communities say that they have come to value performance over character, but performance becomes the logic behind not dealing with issues well, of character. Um, you know, that's you, crazy. Mm-hmm. And I apologize for interrupting. No, but, I was just you know, read um, it again. What, what's great, what's, yeah, read it again because it's, in, it's powerful because uh, uh, in s- small and large churches, if you ever heard, there's a quota system. A quota system is how many people did you share Christ with this week? How many people mm-hmm. did you win to the Lord? How many people do you have being baptized this Sunday? How many people? How many people? How many? How many? How many? How many? Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's, it's great. It's not that we're not sharing Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's not that we're not having people baptized. It's not that, but the quota system, and it's, they won't come out and say it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's there. Yeah. And it's based on your performance. And, and if your performance isn't there, See ya. Yeah, and it's not just—it's that. But if your performance is there, then you—if you have character issues, we'll sweep it under the rug. Uh, you know, we'll just—we'll—we'll—we'll we'll, we'll, we'll ignore your character problems. We'll ignore the things about your character that are unbiblical and wrong, and uh, sin, and sinful, um, because your performance is here. And so you start hearing like. He's such a gifted speaker. He's such a gifted preacher. Right. Look at all the people where he's saved. Look right. at, and so you start seeing all these numerical successes. Correct. And it, all of a sudden that overpowers and it shadows the character flaws, the things that are actually that actually need to be addressed, that actually need to be dealt with, that actually need to be brought to light. Those things are swept under the rug. And that goes back to the very beginning. Just touching base on that is the leadership community. Whoever that leadership community is of that situation or that church has to realize we can't overlook these things. Yeah. We have to we have to help, we have to encourage, we got to support, but we have to correct. Yeah. And there has to be a, an atmosphere that allows that to happen. Um, if everybody's bought into the same performance stuff, if everybody's bought into the same numbers and everybody's celebrating the same stuff, then it's very easy for a whole leadership to be under the same mask of will allow those character things to disappear. I, I mean, I'll, I'll stop before we get going down the wrong, <laughs> wrong word. Well, that's word. exactly why, you know, church metrics. I mean, that's a, that's a big thing in media communications, you know, these days, like trying to track this and track that. And that's why it's so, 
I don't know. I have such a, such a hard time with that. You know, just, I mean, just like what Rusty's saying, you know, I mean, they're, and what you're saying, right? These, these quota systems, you know, they can, they can, they can point to decisions that might've been made, but also, you know, pointing back to what, what Rusty said, you know, about ministry is people. Um, you really got to dig down on a deeper level. If, 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 uh, your board or your elders are, are sitting down and, and, and looking at numbers too much, then it can be very deceptive. Mm-hmm. But if you're really gonna, gonna gauge growth in your church, I don't know. I feel like it's gotta be a lot more people in the room. There's yeah. gotta be a lot more, um, there's engagement. Got, there, yeah, the there's got to be a lot yeah. more engagement because growth takes a long time. Mm-hmm. It can. I mean, God, God can do a lot in a little. You know, there's, there's, there's. You know, God can do ten years in 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 one minute. He can He can do that kind of work. It's not always that way, right? But if you care as church leadership then you'll want to sit down. You'll want to hear about these, these small victories in people life, people's lives. You'll want to celebrate those, those victories, small victories. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's how you know, I would say, that's how you know that, that God is moving through your ministry. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the situation that we're describing, though, is, is, is actually written out on the bottom of page 111. And I'm actually going to read a whole paragraph, guys. Uh, Dang it. Dang uh, in the beginning of a leader's ministry, there's high level of concern for character and a whole lot of loving encouragement and accountability. So in other words, it's saying at the beginning of somebody's ministry, they're under they're under observation. People are watching them very carefully. People are looking at them. They're holding them accountable. Uh, they're encouraging them. They're loving on them. They're, they're checking their character, right? Uh, and getting to know a leader, he's watched carefully for how he does his work and relates to others. He is surrounded by the kind of community community every leader needs. But as the months and years go by, then the leader's gifts bear fruit in rich and exciting ways. The leaders around him begin to close their eyes and shut their ears. Maybe it's anger in a meeting that is not addressed or an attitude toward an employee that is not confronted or something inappropriate said about a woman that is not addressed. This powerful and effective leader now has the power to silence needed gospel voices in his leadership community. Fellow leaders become comfortable with resting the prompting promptings of the Holy Spirit. Things are said and done that uh, they know are wrong, and when they happen, there is a check in their spirit, but they fail to respond to the prompting, and they sit in silence. Why? Because a leader is all of a sudden super successful, and you're seeing numbers, and you're seeing people get saved, and you're seeing people show up and through the doors, and then all of a sudden, uh, your values go out the door, the character checks go away, and, and all of a sudden, they have too much power, and they have too much say, and their character is not in check, and you're not, you're not looking as close anymore, and you're all of a sudden you're silence and you're not just silence, but you're ignoring the Holy Spirit's convicting inside of your heart and conviction inside of your heart. So not only are you ignoring the sin in somebody else's heart, you're also ignoring the, the Holy Spirit talking. You're ignoring God's conviction on your own heart. Compromise both ways. Mm, it's dangerous. It is. So that's how things become more important than they should. Compromise. Numbers. Success. So, Yeah. And then it leads on at the bottom of 112. He says, the castle he has built has become more precious than his soul. 
And that castle is, and if if the whole leadership is being silent, then the the castle has become more important to the entire leadership. It's not just to him. It's not just that it's more important to him or her uh, than his or her soul. It's also important to more important to the entire leadership than than that person's soul. It's more important to me to 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 see the success of this church than to to call out your character flaws and to bring that out into the open and to, to, to pursue your soul on behalf of God and to point you back to God. It's more important to, for the success of this, this church. That's pretty much what you're saying, right? Hmm. You know, it's the, it's, it's the same way in which, honestly, we sometimes become Pharisees. You know, it's literally easy to sit here and to read about this and to point it out, but it still exists in probably more churches than not in 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 the world, right? It's the same way we read the scriptures. We look at the Pharisees and we say, oh my goodness, like look at what these guys are doing. This is ridiculous. Like how they're 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 blowing this out of proportion. They're making so many rules. But then again, if we turn around and we look at our own lives, kind of like we're, we're, we're doing here, looking at, at church leadership, we do the same things. We, 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 at, least we, at least we do similar things. Maybe not to the extent because we've read the Bible and we're like, oh, Pharisees, bad people, you know. But we do the exact same mm-hmm. things. And I, it's, it would be easy to to walk away from all this, you know, if, if somebody's listening and whatnot and to just shelve it. Right. Cause that's easy to do. I mean, that's, that's essentially what we're talking about is how easy it is to overlook character defects and, and values. But man, how, how important is it for the kingdom of God that we take what we're reading about? We take what we're talking about and we apply it. Mm-hmm. Through grace, mercy, peace, not just to for us, but also to give to others. Indeed. To encourage, support. Hey, let's talk about this for a minute. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. Last thing I have underlined on page 113 says this. Every ministry leader is the object of God's satisfying grace. I think we have to remember that through all of this, uh, throughout this entire process of, of thinking about character and, and and thinking about correcting character and stuff like that. Every ministry leader is the object of God's satisfying grace, sanctifying grace, sorry. Uh, when it comes to the true values of our hearts, sanctification progressively exposes, convicts, reclaims, and restores. Our hope is not that we will always get it right, but that God will never forsake his sanctifying work. It's hmm. a good word. That's a great word. Uh, and so in other words, um, as we walk through this, as we live this life, our character sometimes, you know, it may slip, it may fall. We may, we're gonna, we're gonna mess up. Um, and the beautiful thing about grace, and the beautiful thing about this journey with Jesus, is that his his sanctifying grace is never going. His yeah, his sanctifying grace is never going to forsake us. It's never going to leave us. It's going to continue to pursue. It's going to continue to convict. It's going to continue to reclaim. It's going to continue to restore. Yeah. So don't quit. Don't give up. Don't get. Yep. Awesome. Don't give up. Ask for help when you need it. Keep walking, breathing. God has something so great in store for right now and for the steps ahead.
That's so good. All right. Thank you so much for joining us for the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Rusty, for joining us today. I hope you great enjoyed your time. You. Uh, we enjoyed having you. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show with us. Uh, please help us spread the word, follow the podcast, share it with people that you believe could use this. Give us some feedback, ask questions, join the conversations. You can email us at podcast at gracepoint.church. We would love to hear from you. Uh, we might even mention some of your questions or comments on the next show. Uh, for Rusty Aswell, Sam Connor, Justin Mucka, Joel Scoggins, I'm Eric Powers. See you next time. We hope you've enjoyed the Church at Grace Point Leadership Podcast. Make sure to follow the show and share it with leaders in your life. Pick up a copy of Lead by Paul David Tripp and join the conversation. We'd love to hear your feedback, answer your questions, and have conversations about Jesus with you. You can contact us by email at podcast at gracepoint.church. Thank you for listening.